0: Welcome to the Arista Gamer Podcast for April 2013. I'm Colby, and I'm joined today by Casey and Apprentice 9. Good evening. Good evening. And uh, so today we're going to go ahead and get things kicked off. Uh, A big, big, big story recently has been about a man that you probably didn't even know about named Adam Orth. Um, This guy. Adam Orth is the community manager for uh, Xbox. He, He used to work for Microsoft at... used to. We'll get into that. Um... His comments, though, have uh, have sort of exploded around the internet. Uh, it all started with a Twitter conversation. Let me pull that up. It's uh, okay. So the conversation. Uh, he tweet the first tweet that he has is sorry. I don't get the drama around having a quote always on console. Every device now is always on. That's the world we live in. Hashtag deal with it. That's, I hate hashtags so that's, much. Well, I mean, they serve their purpose, but the problem is not the fact that he's hashtagging. the problem is that what are you doing like yeah. why would you why would you purposely make a tweet that's just to say hey guys uh, y- you know that whole internet thing everybody's got it all the time and it always works 100% of the time right 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 <laughs> sure yeah we
1: can all just you know download 14 movies at once on our internet connection in you know
0: Texas. Well, we all can't get Google Fiber like Austin can.
2: Just saying. And of us can't um, download anything due to college internet. Hooray. Yay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. College internet means we can download everything, right? Yeah. So he gets a reply back from uh, what turns out to be one of his friends saying, Did you learn nothing from Diablo 3 or SimCity? You know some people's internet goes out, right? Deal with it. Uh, deal with it is a terrible reason. Um, to which he replies, electricity goes out too. Like like that makes it better. <laughs> like that justifies what he said. And so, yeah, so the guy fires back. You've lived in LA, San Francisco, Seattle. These are all very connected places. Try living in, say, Janesville, Wyoming. Or I think it's Wyoming, maybe it's Wisconsin. I don't know. What what's WI? Wisconsin. Do we care? Nah. Wyoming um, WI. Anybody who's listening from Wisconsin, um, eh, sorry. I mean, come on, you, you, you gotta know. they um, the cheese, though. Keep it up. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, keep that cheese flowing. Uh, Or Blacksburg, uh, Virginia. And he responds back with, quote, Why on earth would I live there? And that was the nail in his coffin, pretty Whoa! much. Whoa!
2: Well <laughs> yeah. done.
0: Yep. And so, uh... There, uh, there we go. From, um, from a man who's who's in charge of uh, of creative of creativity at Xbox, down to being unemployed.
1: Yeah. Yep. Well, okay. Uh, to, I, there is a distinction in the fact that he resigned, but it was probably one of those corporate things. Where like, you should probably go.
0: Yeah. There's there's very little difference in between. Yeah, we're gonna fire you, and yeah, just to make sure you may be able to get a job in a few years, why don't you resign, buddy? Yeah. That way we so don't. I'm going to need
2: you to do me a favor and pick up your desk sometimes a day. Yeah.
0: yeah, and so the best thing about this is not his comments, right? I mean, his comments are are flabbergasting at at the least. But the best thing is that Microsoft is now coming out with a console, right? And even if they didn't plan an always-on console, now all gamers are pretty sure it's an always-on console. Yeah. Um, And in addition to that, now everybody hates the next Microsoft console. Even though they don't know anything about it, they're like, oh, well, it's going to be always on. So, I mean, why would I buy it? I'm always just going to go PS4. Yeah. It's great. It's like, this is creating such a huge rift, which, I mean, as a Sony fanboy, I love to see. Um, I just love seeing people come on over to my side. But... Um, for for competition reasons, it's also it's it's bad because now without even seeing the product, the market is judging it, which is horrible for Microsoft. I mean, it's yeah. absolute garbage. I well, love
2: Microsoft it... can't hold on to its version exclusives either. That's another like huge nail in its coffin.
0: Yeah, that yeah. is true. It's but I mean, it's got it's got Halo and it's got Gears. I mean, those it's got those two going for it. Well, yeah, it's also true. a good it's also a good segue
1: into uh, Xbox. 720 Durango rumors
0: do you want to talk about those so um I mean we already know I guess it's been rumored that it's going to have probably an x86 processor like um like what uh Sony has and I wouldn't be surprised if it was also made by AMD um if if only because you know Microsoft would like to keep uh, another player in the PC microprocessor uh, market going, just so that Intel doesn't get sued for antitrust laws. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, in addition to that, uh, I, I think I think going with an x86 processor is probably probably a smart move on their part. I think I think them and Sony realized at the same time. Okay, if I mean if we're going to win a war, we've got to make it. Um, as easy for a developer to choose our console as possible you have to give them as many incentives as possible it's just it's the same thing with governments um, giving tax breaks to small businesses you know if a small business if a small business wants to open up somewhere Texas is actually a pretty good place because you get a whole bunch of incentives from the government to open up a small business here Um, so it's it's the same thing with a console okay I'm a developer I have a great idea for a thing I have together a small studio now what am I going to develop it for Obviously, you're going to develop on a PC. That's, I mean, that's how you develop games. Um, so, what's going to allow me to transfer my game easily from my PC over to a console? Well, and if x86, it runs x86, processor. if the uh, you know if it runs x86, if the console doesn't cost that much, if it's got a large fan base, I, why wouldn't I?
1: Yeah. And then recently, rumors came out um, about the always online connection referring to cable and a lot of oh, yeah. it's getting a lot of <laughs> circulation about the idea of uh, something like somebody like comcast uh th- like kind of threading their uh, internet or their cable service through the internet uh on Xbox Live to uh your TV where essentially it has um your your Xbox becomes your cable box, or at the very least, you can hook your Xbox up to your cable and have those two interact with each other. So you can set you you can use your th- your 360 remote or controller to, or 720 remote controller to uh, set stuff and have an over overlaced UI that you don't have to use a remote for. Which means you could switch from like games from cable to games without having to go here. Let me pick up my remote, turn this, turn my 360 on, put in the game. I keep saying 360, but whatever.
0: Now so okay so th- here's another thing is that um damage control has already sort of started um I believe I mean I mean this is obviously a personal opinion I have no um I have no ties to this at all but I believe Microsoft probably leaked some of this information to people just to get people to stop hating them um what they're saying now is that The always-on component doesn't apply to the actual console. It applies to a companion box, tentatively called the, quote, Xbox Mini, which, I mean, creative, creative, super creative. Um, And so, uh, apparently, it's supposed to play games um, offline, or, sorry, it's supposed to give you access to games that are online. It's supposed to do the TV stuff that you're talking about, Casey, Um, And it's supposed to act as a uh, as a companion device for the Xbox 720, sort of how the um, the HD DVD drive was to the to the Xbox 360, except that they're hoping that this one doesn't become really outdated and have a fire sale within six months. So what they're saying is that for this companion device, yes, Internet connection is going to be um, is going to be an absolute necessity uh, because it's going to be doubling as a set-top box, and it's going to provide media content from the 720 to TV sets. Um, so to be able to provide you know TV and all these other things, um, that's sort of sort of what it's doing. Um, I mean, and, and we've heard about you know these small boxes that are uh, that are coming out. that are are for streaming only, right? I mean, the Roku's already there. Boxy Box is there. You can buy XBMC boxes, Google TV boxes, and nobody's really gotten it right. So it's going to be interesting to see a companion box to an already, what should be, by all means, a massive console. You know, maybe a small, cheap device that hooks onto it that uh, all of a sudden... Now, not only can you play all of your Netflix, Hulu, whatever, you can use maybe the Xbox, three, uh, the Xbox 720 hard drive to store TV shows on without having to have a DVR.
2: It sounds like a classic case of we're going to try to do everything at once, and I'm just, I don't know, I have this horrible feeling that it's not going to work quite as well as it should, and also the price tag's just going to be ridiculous if that's what they're really trying to do.
0: Well, well, I I think if they're going to go with the two separate consoles, the, probably each individually is going to appear to be reasonable. So, I mean, again, if I had to guess, um, I would say probably Xbox 720, uh dollars $500 for a high-end console, and the add-on box, maybe $150. Right. So, I mean, with, with prices like that, you're like, well, I mean, yeah, I could buy the console, and then... Well, I mean, it's pretty reasonable just buy a set-top box. I mean, I can get a Roku for $100, but I can get this add-on device that just, I mean, it costs $50 more, and I can pull, hook it up to my 360, and I i don't know, look at my achievements whenever I want to. Yeah, and uh, I'm betting they'll also maybe try another
1: experiment like they did with the subsidized price of the uh, 360 at the end of its kind of cycle. Like the past year, they've had the pay uh, $100... Now and then, keep paying an extra additional ten dollars on your Xbox Live service, so you're paying twenty five dollars a month, and then over time you build up that you, you kind of pay it off uh, each month. And I'm betting they could do something similar where they say, <coughs> "Okay, you launch," they launch say at three hundred or four hundred, and they say, "Oh, but here's a subsized price; you pay two hundred or one hundred and fifty, and then you pay for and you pay for like a year or year and a half of Xbox Live subscription, paying twenty or thirty dollars a month." And if you do that, then that is going to get people interested in paying for a much cheaper
0: console compared to the PS4. Yeah, that's one of the rumors is that, uh, so I mean, you have this Xbox Live thing, you already pay money for it, and you have to purchase a console, right? Uh, Microsoft isn't making any more money off of the console after you purchased it. They're making money off of the online subscription. Well, if they want to continue making money off of the hardware, all they have to do is turn their, their view sites, um view sites because that's a really common used term. Uh you turn it thirty degrees to the west and all of a sudden you're taking a look at mobile phone companies. And what do they do? You get a two-year sign up, you buy hardware at a really cheap price, and you're paying for a service. Um and you're you're locked into a contract with them. Um so I mean, I, I that's completely reasonable. Um, I mean to to see where they're going. Now, this isn't something that I want and I don't I mean, I don't know how many people are going to want it. Um I suppose it would provide more value if you um if you absolutely know that you're going to be using online services, if you know you're going to be pay- paying every month for Xbox uh Live and you don't want to have to um, you know, pay a whole bunch of money up front for the console, then yeah, maybe it makes sense. So Well, that brings up a really good point
1: in that um uh Microsoft is pretty ob- kind of I, I don't want to say obviously but it seems to be branding their their new console as like a 50/50 split between games and other media. Like they 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 have games and they want to have good content as far as games but they also want to promote this kind of all-in-one entertainment system. They did the same thing with 360 where it says you can have ESPN and Facebook and Twitter and internet. And the PS4 looks more like an 80/20 split where like we're we are for video games. We're going to have content and other like social interactions and stuff but we're gonna make games because we're a game console and it looks like you know m- Microsoft is pushing more of uh, a Trojan horse kind of uh, strategy where they say look you pay money and it's expensive but you get it in and you can do all these things like none of realistically none of us are really going to use none of us I say a lot of gamers are probably not going to use Facebook or ESPN but if you can if a kid like a 16 year old can go to their mom and say, look, look, you can, you know, do all this stuff with Facebook and play games on it, uh, and I can play other games, then you can get them to invest in the money, that way they get more people in there,
0: and then they get more people buying the Xbox Live service. That's yeah. a good point. I me, mean, the, the, the only thing, the only problem that I potentially see with that is, how many people were signed up for Xbox Live, A, and B, how many people own an Xbox 360 and aren't signed up for Xbox Live? So I'm wondering how much money they stand to gain by doing something like that.
1: Well, the number of people that are actually subscribed to Xbox Live is pretty huge, simply because they have the server support to, like, have millions of people playing Call of Duty and Halo, you know, and go through their Xbox Live service. So I, I want to say there's probably going to be a sizable number of people that have Xbox that pl- Xbox Live that play games like... Uh, a good, The best example is probably multiplayer games on Halo 4, on uh, Call of Duty, Battlefield 3, Those Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. Those are going to be the people that log in every day, b- using the phrase log in for a console, but that come, that, you know, sit, sit down and play at least an hour or two a day after getting home from work or getting home from school. And they're going to be the people that are going to want to invest in a cheap console that gives them Xbox Live and also gives them
0: more content they can do while they're playing. I mean I, yeah I I can't see um I can't see Microsoft coming in um in, into this space into this next generation without having um a good strategy for online. I mean that's um uh that's that's what they've done before. That's how they've always done it is they've said uh, at least since last generations. They've said we've we've got better um we have better online services than all of our competitors. We have Uh, All of these things, we can interact with all of your friends, you can talk to them, you can show all these stats, we have betting on sports, and all they've done is they've just increased this giant library of things you can do online with Xbox, and I can't see them not having an even better model for the next console, and if that exposes itself to hardware, then, I mean, there's really no limit here. Yeah. That's
2: true, and it really is, like, Microsoft's strength in online. I mean, I'm not really a Microsoft fan, but I have to admit, that's one thing they do do better than Sony or nintendo really
1: yeah it it kind of brings up a, a difference in philosophy i guess and i think e3 will be good would will be the big determination of how much microsoft can come f- can kind of move forward with by announcing the console and what's going to go with it but it also is going to tell us how much uh how further ahead sony is by saying we already announced the console that it's coming out and here are some games, here's some more games, here's the price point, here's all the other details you want, and then spend, you know, five months coming out with trailers, coming out with information, coming out with saying, announcing these games and these games and these games.
2: That's a huge thing for me, because what I can see happening at E3 is Sony and Nintendo both differentiating, differentiating themselves completely from Microsoft with really strong game lineups, Nintendo especially, And then if Microsoft is focusing so much on this whole, we have a magic box that's internet and all these things you can do. I mean, E3 is like a gaming, you know, conference above all else. And if they don't have a good strong lineup shown for the 720, I feel like they might lose some of their audience, at least for a while. And I mean, I
0: can, I can absolutely guarantee you um, within 10 minutes after the microsoft press conference in fact i'll go so far as to say within 20 minutes from the end of the microsoft press conference we're gonna know exactly how well the xbox 720 stands (laughs) because if they just show up and they're like all right guys here's the new console pricing is reasonable and let's talk about all the games you can play this next one uses connect to and your body as the controller this next one the uses the connect to with your body as the controller as well. If they do that for an hour, not only am I going to scream, because I'm going to be watching this while I'm at work, uh, not only am I going to scream in a room full of people that are not expecting it, but I will then run out and never buy anything from Microsoft ever again.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's an ominous portent in the works right there. Microsoft's yeah. going to do it.
0: I just, I mean... With their E3 display year before last, where it was just like, all right, guys, let's get everybody on stage and let's all dance in front of everybody. Like, I don't, when did that become a thing you do at E3 is, all right, guys, well, new gaming is, uh, a new dance game is going to come out. Let's uh, let's go ahead and put up the latest new song and show some hot people dancing. That'll be great. Everybody wants to see that. Yeah, Nobody that wants to see it.
2: girl and the tiger because i remember like the connect with the animals and that little girl spent 10 minutes on stage trying to get the tiger to do what she wanted and it wouldn't
1: yeah i think
0: that Yeah, was the it. only good thing about that was how cute the little girl was she was like hey and i was like oh hi look at you being all cute on stage and then she's like come here tiger and the tiger's like "Nah, i'm good <laughs> so good <laughs> it was the best part of my presentation man yeah, uh, though, th-
1: all of this talk about media and kind of games and stuff and the kind of cable box services and everything kind of brings up a good uh, possible problem, or I would rephrase that as probable problem, uh, in the bandwidth ceiling. Yes. Considering it's really going to oh, affect it a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you brought this up to me, Casey, and I hadn't even thought about it. Uh, granted, because Austin's good in Google Fiber, did I yeah, mention yeah. that? Yeah. Um, uh, because yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that are associated with how much bandwidth you can reasonably get to a place. Now I know there are places. Um, there are coworkers of mine that live out um, in Oregon. Just I mean, not even really far away from the city. You know, half an hour away from the city. The only internet they can get is satellite internet. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's not unreasonable to live in a place in which dial-up is still the norm, or in which the the best you can do is an ISDN line. I mean. Yeah, yeah and the the, the, the problem speed you've got is like five megs down, maybe. And when all of a sudden if you so okay. The uh the cord cutting revolution has has skipped those people. Completely understandable. They can't stream anything that's like better than two forty P. A okay. Um so they don't have Netflix, they don't have Hulu, um, they can't game online, or if they can, they have ridiculously high paying and it's just not fun for literally anybody in the server. Mm-hmm. Um so what what else is there to incentivize them getting a modern console that gears itself toward people streaming? I mean, there's nothing, really. That's the only bad thing that I can foresee about um this whole Gaikai thing is yeah. I mean, if you have the bandwidth to do it, I think it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to be great um to for you to have a giant backlog to, for you to play. You can, you know, download these things, they get streamed to you uh the only, i mean i can definitely see it being limiting being like oh well i'd like to take my console to my parents house but they've only got wi-fi and it's a wireless router from 10 years ago so it's wireless b i'm only gonna get two megs a second yeah. so and i you mean can, you know if, if i'm it. streaming final fantasy 7 i'm just gonna you know not do anything or whatever But that and that's not counting the fact that you're gonna have to, if you're streaming a game, you're going to have to save it to the cloud, which is
1: going to take forever and uh, you know, and 30 minutes. And it's going to take even longer to make sure that you can play through say a stage plus a couple battles if you want to. Now, yeah. It bring does bring up the thought though that if if this is going to become more of a thing, then we need another like electrical revolution kind of how um phones got a lot more support in a very quick amount of time. I would say like the late eighties, I guess, or like seventies, to eighties were in, you know, a heartbeat of a second. There were hundreds of phone lines or no cell phones. Sorry. Cell phones in like the nineties.
0: I was about to say, I was like, do you do know that we had telephones before 1980, right? Casey, you're not that young.
1: I was thinking of cell phone services, like between nineties to early 2000s, how literally in the span of five or six years, more and more and more, uh, uh, cell phone towers came up that way. You could spread your service everywhere. So I, I kind of hope that we can see another kind of similar kind of boost in government support for bandwidth and also more room for the all the things we want to download. Because if 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 Gaikai can deliver on even say streaming your um, your games, your PS Vita and you can play it in the bathroom or you can watch if you've got say like i like the idea of saying if you have netflix in your tv on your ps4 and you can stream the video that you're watching to your ps vita so you can walk into like the kitchen and have it set up where you're in the kitchen watching the video while you're cooking that's going to be something that's going to be really uh, attractive to other people and it's going to take you know more bandwidth to be able to tra- you know transfer that movie
0: to another to another device And, I mean, we're already seeing that jump, right? I mean, uh, at the moment, I've got 20 megs down, 2 megs up, and that's not the top tier. So, I mean, bandwidth is increasing. Although, oddly enough, America is, um, of the first world countries with uh, high-speed internet, we are are on the low side and the highest price. It is so sad. Which is why Google Fiber is doing a whole bunch of big things for us. Um, So, I mean, with more services like Google Fiber, in fact, the, the saddest thing is that... Immediately after Google Fiverr was like, hey, yeah, we're going to come in Austin and give you one gigabit per second internet. The day, the same day, AT&T was like, oh, well, I mean, we could do that too. We just <laughs> If you just give us the same tax breaks as Google, we, we could have done that. And it's like, you didn't, though. Yeah, You probably didn't even ask. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious how strong of a control like AT&T, Verizon, Sprint all have on internet and phone services. And I think I think uh, as, as if mobile and – the more mobile games become and the more uh, connected we become between using our phone and our computer and our consoles, that internet and fo- phone service and internet are going to have to become more, like, meshed together. Like, they're going to have to have – similar to how AT&T does their services with, like, a- internet and phone and blah, blah, blah. I'm betting that there's going to be a point where they're going to come together and do something very similar, if not the same kind of uh, travel across the same bandwidth. In some way.
0: Yep,
2: makes sense.
0: So, what else are we talking about today? Well, um, but there are two there like are two I things can... left: indie developer friendliness, um, which Ooh, is something yeah. that's a rather large topic. Also, I'd like to go over PAX East 2013. Oh, Ooh, in yeah. fact, Maybe. I forgot. we that. do that real quick because um, yeah. that doesn't really require too much discussion, and it'll get out of the way quickly. Um, Let's see. DuckTales uh, HD Remastered. I walked by the line. It was very long, so I didn't stand in it. But it looks pretty cool. Um, Let me see. Uh, Oh, Dive Kick. Dive Kick was the best game there. Um, Dive Kick is a fighting game in which you just dive and kick. So there's only a dive button in which you jump, and there's a kick button in which you kick. And those are the only two moves. Um, Go ahead and Google YouTube uh, Dive Kick um go buy it if it's out. I don't think I I'm almost positive it's not because I would have it and I would be playing it 24/7 if it was, but Divekick is incredible. Um look forward to that and it's it's going to be great. Um I'm definitely getting that one. Yes. Uh Divekick is great. Um Penny Arcade's on the Rainslick Precipice of Darkness 4, the final in the uh Rainslick chapters are uh is finally being released in spring. Which is right about now, so yeah. they better get on that. Um, I'm actually really excited. It's done by the same team who did uh, number three, the z Boyd guys. There's only two of them. I got to interview them. You can check out that interview on the site. Oh, and by the way, for all of these games, you can also check out um, the site. There's uh, I have articles on all of them. I also have interviews with the creator of Divekick, uh, the z Boyd guys, and... Um, Oh, uh, oh i've also got a video from the daisy panel daisy standalone by the way looking awesome really yeah dude um it was pretty cool that the only <laughs> embarrassing thing was that they hadn't put in a whole bunch of animations for things so like whenever you took off your shirt um it still maintained the shape of your body and just stood on the ground like it was like stiff it's pretty funny <laughs> um so that was cool Uh, they have a new inventory system we talked about that on the podcast where um the actual items that you have have their own life in that so i mean if i want to go steal somebody's night vision goggles and they're uh you know running around um with night vision goggles on i shouldn't shoot them in the head because i could damage the night vision goggles um so it's pretty cool um transistor oh transistor i am so excited for that transistor i love you i got to play it man uh oh it's so good um the narrator from bastion is back um he plays transistor um which is i I think that i think transistor is the sword it wasn't too clear from the demo but um i think i think uh basically you play as this woman named red She used to be a singer, and then her voice got stolen from her by the people who lead uh, the process, which are a giant hive mind of of AI around the city. And so your voice was stolen, and your boyfriend slash bodyguard didn't get any details on who it actually was, um, dies, and he's transferred into this sword-type thing called Transistor, uh, if that's what Transistor is. Um, so you're basically running around with this talking sword, and, um... I mean it's incredible. The gameplay is fun. You've got like quick attacks where you don't have to do any like planning to do anything. Um you just sort of uh you just sort of go and whap people. Um it's kind of slow whenever you're doing that because uh you know you obviously you don't have the upper body strength to be wielding a giant buster sword, but uh you are. Um <laughs> but the cool thing is that one of the first abilities you get is if you hold down the right trigger Um, all of a sudden time stops and the world turns into a grid and you can use this grid to move around and get behind enemies and plot what your attacks are um your movements and your attacks take away this bar at the top and if you take away too much of it you're incapacitated so you start to run you start to walk really slow um which gives you a nice risk and reward system in that you can uh, you can say, okay, I'm pretty sure if I go over there and hit this guy three times, he's going to die. Um, but it is going to take away all of my meter. Well, if it does take away all of your meter, unfortunately, if that guy doesn't die, he's got pretty much an open shot at you. Um, yeah. It's super cool. I wish I could explain it better, but you're just going to have to play it for yourself. You can go look it up on YouTube. Um I've got uh, there's there's videos up there of it uh, of just the playthrough. I actually linked to one of them inside of the uh, inside of the post. It's great. The release trailer was great. The music is awesome. Um, the guys are really friendly and really cool. Uh, I also that's the, the other person I interviewed was uh, was uh, Greg from the creative director from Super Giant Games, and he couldn't have been nicer to me. So go ahead and listen to that interview. Really cool. He reveals nothing. But I uh, guess he's just—he's uh, so tight-lipped. Um, but it's really cool. He, you get some insight into uh, into how the game was developed and things they had to take into consideration, and it, it's pretty cool. Um, Last of Us, uh, again, the line was—line <laughs> was really long, guys. It was just—it was so long. long they capped it they capped the line and so you had to basically hang around in the area milling about in giant lines of people being like oh i'm not waiting for the line to get uncapped no and then the second it gets uncapped you just dart in um so I, it was just more trouble than it was worth um i did get to see the assassin's creed 4 black flag trailer and uh thanks to ubisoft for letting me in to see that but what are you guys doing like <laughs> Why did you not just make this its own game?
2: How does the idea of pirate assassins not seem like the most awesome thing in the world, though?
0: It does. If you would have asked me, like, immediately after playing Assassin's Creed 2 or even Brotherhood, if you would have asked me, hey, do you want the next assassin to be a pirate? And he just goes around. He's got this ruthless crew. You're going around and just just shipjacking people and exploring. And I would have said, Yeah. But that's only because I didn't know what I wanted out of Assassin's Creed. You know what I want? I want sneaking around. I want blending into crowds. I want stabbing people that don't know that I'm going to stab them. And then I want running away from a whole bunch of people. I That's what back. I want. I don't want to be this one man superhero army like you morphed into after in Revelations is whenever it really started to get bad. And then it got yeah. even worse in three. And from the looks of it, four, it gets even worse because in three, they give you this nice ship fighting section. And they're like, oh, yeah, you could do some ship battles. This you're doing ship battles all the time. There's an overworld that you're traversing in your ship, not unlike Wind Waker. And you find these islands, and you're like, "Oh, I wonder what's on that island." You go there. You know what's over there? Huh? Could be some Mayan ruins. Could be a port of call. Could be some people you need to stab. Why? Huh? It's not Assassin's Creed anymore. Assassin's Creed has changed what it's been, and what really appealed to me as a series. Uh, so much so that I don't even really want to play it. To be fair, though, the
2: first Assassin's Creed was overall, this is just my opinion, but it was overall kind of a letdown because it just lacked the structure and the the ability to, like, free roam and do what you like as much as the other games do. It lost kind of the whole sense of being, like, an assassin, and for me, the second game is, like, the best balance between, you know... Good game with assassin features and you know mess. Yeah, yeah I
0: think
1: I, I think Brotherhood hit hit probably the perfect balance because Brotherhood was a really good story as well as having all those really good kind of aspects about being assassin with uh, all the really good mechanics that have been that were fine tuned from two. Like it, it, I, I kind of want to say that as we're going this way, it kind of reminds me of Resident Evil. Uh, how the series has progressed from a very kind of horror-specific horror kind of action-horror game to just an action game, and they're doing the same thing here. Oh, God, Excellent
0: I know. Comparison. It's the same, and I hate it for both yeah. of them.
1: Well, I haven't played 3 yet, and
0: I kind of don't want to. Like, I I might go back and play it, but... Eh. Here's the I, thing, I mean, you know, far be it from me to detract from Devin's review, because Devin gave it a positive review. However, my experience with the game was that the engine it uses is super buggy Uh, it's Mm. just it's just a glitchy engine that they didn't test out thoroughly enough and i mean there were a whole bunch of things in it where it's just like really you couldn't take the time to iron that out like i would see my like my character would appear on the screen in like a whole bunch of an abyss of nothingness and for for like two seconds and then it would go to the loading screen and then i would appear and i'm like you couldn't have like buffed out that time where I saw the character and I wasn't supposed to. You couldn't have taken okay. You just you just couldn't because you just wanted to release it this year. Okay, great. Um, it just it lacked a whole bunch of polish. Don't get me wrong; it's a cool engine and the graphics to it are are great. But there's just so much, so many things that they missed out on, and I can't I can't condone it. I don't I don't really like it. Uh, and it's, it was the same thing. They used the same engine in the Vita game. Um, I didn't really like it there either. There were a whole bunch of glitches with that. I just, you know, Assassin's Creed, the first Assassin's Creed was marked by a ton of glitches. I mean, I even have a really old cell phone video of me riding a horse where its legs are not pointed down, but they have been rotated 90 degrees to the right. And so you just see these two horse legs flailing off to the side. Whereas his, I don't know, it looks, you could see tons of those on the internet. It was marked by how much glitch, like how many glitches were in it. I remember. Uh, going through a mission and jumping over a roof and just freezing. That was Assassin's Creed for me. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 fixed everything. It was beautiful. It was a great game. And it seems like Assassin's Creed 3 has just gone down since that Uh, with all, just a lack of polish. Um, And so hopefully maybe 4 will actually get the engine right. But now I think they're sort of losing the core concept. I mean, it, yeah, and you're right. It was the same thing whenever I played Assassin's... Sorry, uh, Resident Evil 6. I started and I was like, okay. I'm going to play as Chris Redfield because Chris Redfield, I know him. He's, you know, he's kind of a built dude and he's like, you know, he's from stars and he's the, he's a, you know, he's, he sneaks around he shoots people in the face. Well, in this one, not only has he bulked up to where he looks like a mixture of Chris Redfield and Dom from Gears of War, but he plays exactly like in Gears of War. It's what are you doing, Capcom? If I want to play Gears of War, I'll go play Gears of War. (laughs) I don't know why people don't understand that. Like, you can you can separate and be different, and it's okay. Yeah, yeah but
2: Capcom just kind of ruined—not really ruined so much, but they just drifted so far away. Like, I used to be scared out of my pants by playing Resident Evil like four way back in the day, and now oh when yeah. I play six, it's like there's just no excitement. There's no thrill to it anymore.
0: Yeah, yep. and so. In addition to that, Ubisoft was also kind enough to let me in to go take a look at their um, uh, the Watch Dogs trailer, um, yes. which was actually – it was nothing different. Um, so they showed off a trailer right before um, – or er, sorry, at the PS4 event where basically – You're this guy, he's just walking around and doing all this stuff. Oh, he stole money from this guy, and look at this, and look at that. This was basically from the perspective of the CTOS and specifically the police. So they're like, oh, there's this guy. Look, look at him hacking this guy. And I'm like, I saw this footage already, but from a different perspective. And they're like, don't you want to see it from this one? And I'm like, yeah, not really. Um, (laughs) I mean, it was fine. Uh, It was entertaining, but the only real new things that um, that it brought up was there's somebody who's watching your main character um, with the screen name, like, Pixie, I think. I don't... Pixie 16? I don't remember. Um, But basically, there's somebody watching them. Now, either that's how they're going to write in being able to watch people play Watch Dogs on your smartphone and tablet, which, by the way, they said that it's going to be a feature, so you can watch people play or monitor their progress from your smartphone or your tablet or your PC or whatever, which I think is pretty cool. Um, It ties in with the theme of the game. Uh, and maybe that's how they're going to write it in. Otherwise, not only is this guy uh, going to be fighting, you know, sort of the police and the, and the you know, corporate structure or whatever he's fighting, but he's also got another hacker on his tail, um, which is, uh, which adds to the complexity of this game. And, and that actually makes it a lot more exciting. Um, so, I mean, the game looks great. I can't wait to play it. But, I mean, they didn't really show off anything that was new. They said that he has a family. Uh, And that he's uber paranoid, so paranoid that he has uh, security systems that monitor his family 24-7 in addition to hacking things. So it's great that they're actually showing off this this quote-unquote hero as um, not only a guy who you're playing as and you're going through and and going through his life, but he's a person that uh, you kind of can't trust or he can't trust people, um, and and that's a negative quality in in a hero – so I mean, it's not necessarily that he's a great guy. He doesn't trust his family. I mean, what kind of hero doesn't trust his family or whatever? You know, And what does he have to hide? Things like that. It's it, it's a thing that presents him as more of a human and less as a uh, as a trope, which is great. Yeah. And I kind of I really wonder. Like that.
1: Yeah, me too. I kind of wonder if they're going to use the uh, kind of able to watch uh, from different perspectives as a tie into the multiplayer. Because I remember I think in one of the first trailers they showed that there was like there was that one guy, and then there's then they kind of like did like a shift to a different part a part of the yeah. there's another guy, and so I wonder if that's how they're gonna kind of tie in the multiplayer kind of the online aspect of it where You know, you could be watching somebody, but somebody could be watching you, and that kind of, like, Assassin's Creed kind of multiplayer where you are doing things, but you always have to be aware of other people that are watching you and could possibly ruin your plans, and that also applies to you because other people are watching you. And if they do that and they can pull that off along with, like, a good story, that would be amazing. Like, that would be a really unique experience, especially for Ubisoft, or especially for if it's on the PS4.
0: Yep, I agree. Um, I really
2: hope that they have gameplay at E3 because that's what I really yeah. want to see is just some really good like demos to get me really hyped up for this because I, this I is probably see... one
1: of. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, this is probably the most anticipated game for me of this year.
1: Yeah, I I really want to see. Uh... A a longer than like five minute demo. Like they sh- they shown five to ten minutes of the of the game. I want to see like a, them have like at least fifteen to twenty minutes of them playing where you can run around in more than like two city blocks, because I want to see how big the city is in or or want to see how big you can how how far you can travel. If this is like GTA Five large or where you can just you know you're going from city to city, or if it's within like or if you're like in a city, and then to travel to another, you have to do, like, a fast travel kind of thing. You know, I kind of want to see what, what all that entails, especially considering what they've shown off, where you can, you can hack, you know, a train and ride it. You can hack, you know, different vendors or ATMs, and you can see different people's information. You know, I kind of want to see where, how big they can make that. And if, I mean, if they're working with a PS4 that has 8 gigs of RAM and, a X, and you know, a giant processor, then I want to see how much they're stretching that, or if they are at all
0: yeah i mean that's that's something i actually didn't think about is it seems uh, i didn't even think about how big the world is going to be yeah that's i really do want to figure out how like how that's going to play into this because especially if you can look up docs on every person in the game i mean that's a ton of information to load i can't i can't imagine being able to load an entire world too right so i kind of want
1: to see how they how they're going to pull it off um small slight subject change can i talk about medicare solid five for a minute
0: Yes, Uh, yes, (laughs) of course you can. Metal Gear Solid Five Phantom Pain looks awesome, looks amazing. Oh my god! Okay, so
1: to start off, uh, I think at GDC, uh, Kojima came out uh, first. They had this awesome faux interview with a guy in like uh, bandages and stuff, talking about Ground Zeroes, I guess. Or no, they had a trailer coming out talking uh, called the Phantom Pain. They it hasn't been it wasn't announced as Metal Gear Solid Five yet. So it's like a five or seven minute trailer. Uh, trailer gameplay thing of of what was obviously going to be assumed as as a uh, big boss or, or snake for midi Solid three walking around with like a, a you know like a claw arm and so um then people were like assuming going like oh probably midi Solid five blah blah blah, and um then i want to say recently they ju- he just announced it
0: Or maybe it was a GDC that announced it. It was Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. Yep, it was was definitely a GDC. They showed off a uh, second trailer which had bits of the first trailer in it, but also uh, new parts. Right. The new parts are insane, like, psychedelically insane. They have, like,
1: flaming unicorns and whales eating stuff and flaming oil tankers. And it's also set to this really awesome song that kind of sets the tone like, you you could tell by listening to that song while watching everything, like, this is exactly what you're going to feel half the time while playing this game. Um, and it also brought up a very interesting point that, well, what about Ground Zeroes? Because a while back, uh, kind of, I guess it was Konami, it kind of announced that they had a couple plans for different Minigashog games. Like, they had this one called Ground Zeroes, and they had a, I think they even had a trailer for that where it was like, a Snake was like running around the rain. And yep. it a, and, it, and the best part about that trailer was that it had a snake going from like one area to the next to the next without any kind of cut, so it was like huge, huge areas that seemed like how is this possible? And then they and then Konami also announced that there's like other smaller like side mobile games or things that are like socially interactable. And so so when they asked Kojima about it, Kojima's like, well, it's kind of like a prelude or a prologue to Ground Zeroes is a prologue to Metal Gear Solid Five. So a lot of people were saying. Because he, he didn't exactly, either because the translation wasn't correct or because he didn't exactly explain it uh, properly or he didn't want to say anything, he kind of tried to say they're kind of part of the same game, as saying, like, Ground Zero is a set beforehand and is the the prologue and the story establishment for Phantom Pain. So a lot of people kind of took that as, oh, it's going to be like Middle School 2, where you had, like, the, the tanker incidents, and it's going to be, in the beginning, you're a snake, and then it switches to somebody else or something like that. And then Konami came out and said, no, Ground Zeroes is a different game, and Phantom Pain is a different game. So we
0: get two games to come out with that are from, you know, Metal Gear Solid Universe, which makes me very happy. Yeah, I mean, I saw the trailer for it. If you haven't, go take a look at oh, it. It's God. insane. The graphics look great. Um, the first trailer, actually, is just um, snake- Uh, You don't know that it's Snake at that time, but um, it's just, it's a guy with bandages on his head, and there's another patient, and they're both trying to get out of this uh, hospital, and there's people that are, like, coming in, um, presumably to